Good afternoon, everyone. This is Terrence Channon, and this is the Modern Customer Experience Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to talk about all sorts of things that have to deal with interfacing with customers and helping to make customers happy as part of your, your business offering. And these are things that happen at the front lines and sales. These are things that happen behind the scenes. These are things that happen after the sale is done. Uh, the point we want everyone to take from any of our, our offerings is to say, ah, how do I think about servicing my customers in, a, in an even better, more customer-friendly way? Specifically today, we want to talk about the question, would you buy from your own business? And this is a question that I ask a lot of people that I work with. And oftentimes the answer is not what you would think. There's a, a deflection of the question. There's a, a, another question to say, well, what kind of question is that? Uh, people will say, oh, you know, um, it's, we have a great product. We're really doing well. We've got really great features. We're going to save, we save our customers a lot of money. But they never directly answer yes or no, or very few do. And as you kind of start peeling back the onion and getting more into why they're answering that way, you start to understand the the challenges and, and the struggles. Some of the things are, are very, very aggressive. Why wouldn't you buy from your organization? And the answer is sometimes, well, we we just do things in a, in a half-assed way. We don't put things together the right way. We we're not completely honest about the figures that we're putting together, and that's very scary. And unfortunately, it's it's very common. And part of that, you know, embellishment or misrepresentation could be, you know, as they call in the legal world, puffing. How do you make yourself sound better? And you know, oh, it's like selling a car. Oh, I've got a great car, and it works really well. And oh, you know, the air conditioning's working really great. And what? What does that really mean? It's just presenting it that way. Other parts of it is, well, it's not really a fit for me. People say, oh, well, I'm not in the business of buying XYZ software. I don't need it. I just work here. And that's fair. But if you were the business owner in that industry and you needed these services or could be in the market for them, would you buy? And people sometimes have a hard time answering that question and saying, I would absolutely buy from an organization. What every company should strive for is to say, yes, uh, if I work here and uh, I know the company takes care of me, pays me a salary, we've got our goals to meet, but I would buy from our organization. And the, the best companies that are committed to customer experience are very often users of the users of the product itself. Uh, Disney World is a great example of how people are really religious about customer experience Everyone who works at Disney for the most part, and again, I'm probably embellishing the stats here, but they love that organization. They love the movies. They love working there. It's really a place that they want to be because they feel that they are treated the way they want to be treated, and then they have the opportunity to treat the customers along the same lines the values are in place. So let's go in a little deeper about why people may say, I wouldn't buy from my organization. Sometimes there's a detachment where you just don't feel connected to the organization. You just kind of go there, you, you show up, you get paid, you do your job, you do it well. And it doesn't mean a great product or service can't be delivered. And it doesn't mean that you have to be 100% on the, the company teat all the time, drinking their Kool-Aid. But when there's a lack of engagement from someone working inside the organization, that speaks to the culture of that organization and how that that particular staff member is being empowered and, and led by leadership. And when there's a detachment, 
there's not really a connection into exploring how the product or service can solve the problems of the customers. There's simply an aspect of going through the motions and saying, well, I'd have to do one, two, three, four, and five. And it prevents new innovations, prevents new learnings. So I would always suggest to say, hey, if you're feeling detached or if you're running an organization that has employees that are detached or a little disengaged or are just there to be there, Take a look at that and then evaluate how that may be impacting your customer relationships both today and and in the future. Another thing that comes up a lot is people always feel if they know too much about something, it's easier to see the flaws. Uh, something's always broken. And I had a friend of mine who worked in the entertainment business and produced a lot of shows and films. And he would say in every show that he would produce in the live version that people were watching, there was always some sort of mistake. Uh, someone would miss a step, they'd miss a line, they would be out of place. And for the average customer, they didn't even realize it. They didn't even know. Certainly the professionals took it very hard on themselves to say, gosh, we, we missed a step, we missed a, a piece of the puzzle. But it's very easy to get jaded by things maybe being late. If there's a software delivery schedule, it's very easy to say this part of it in the corner of this uh, software product or service is broken. Uh, you know, the, the billing is, is messed up. And, and rather than falling prey to saying, well, this is the reality and our back office, our environment isn't any good. We want to see if we can turn the tides on that way of thinking and look at those as opportunities. All products are a work in progress. Uh, a lot of people love Netflix and they say, you know, I can't live without it. I've got my shows. They always have great stuff. But, you know, it didn't start that way. And the shows they have today weren't there a couple years ago in some cases. There was this continuous evolution to kind of make things better, even though they knew there were weaknesses and gaps into the into the uh, the product offering. And, and then lastly, let's talk about what even happens if someone during a sales cycle is really doing everything perfectly. You know, a great, honest sales presentation communicates the value, building a great trust and relationship with the end customer, and, and getting a great price and a great value in front of the customer. Uh, a real interesting angle on this is the, the contractual battles that often take place on deals big and small. There was a great article in the Harvard Business Review, uh, September, October 2019, called A New Approach to Contracts. And it was very interesting as it talked about how sales processes and new relationship processes are great and perfect and building trust and working together up until the contract comes up. And traditional contracts often read, if you don't pay me, I'm going to sue. If you don't deliver, I'm going to sue. If you don't do this, I'm going to sue. If you don't pay on time, I'm going to sue. And that's probably a little aggressive. And, and forgive me for the authors of the, of the article, Alva Hart, David Freiglander, and, and Kate Vizek, to say, you know, is that too aggressive of what they thought? But they envision the world of contracts and agreements based on, on mutual trust, mutual understanding, based on what is the desired outcome for both parties. The, the buyer getting a product or service they need to run their business, the seller being funded by the sale to continue to build and, and support that product. So that's something there that I think often gets lost at the end of the sales cycle. Everyone's friends, everyone's thinking of the customer until the very end, and everyone gets defensive and on guard because we've got to get this contract, and the contract's got to protect us, the seller, at all costs. Rethink how you would feel if you had to purchase something 
from an organization that you felt great about up until the very end, and then you felt you got the hammer put on you. There just may be a better way to look at how you're engaging with customers and, and delivering those contract terms in a mutually beneficial way. If you're in an organization and you ask yourself, would I buy from my organization? Would I buy from me? And the answer is no. You know, Look at the entire spectrum of the business service offerings. Look at the, the messaging out there in the marketplace. Is it being helpful to the customer or is it self-serving? Is it buy from me, buy from me, buy from me, I need to sell, I need to sell, I need to sell? Or is it talking about what is the value to the end user? What is the message that needs to be carried that is establishing that initial trust where the potential buyer says, you know, I think I need to be talking to this organization. Frame up the messaging so it accomplishes that goal. That can be very difficult when there's sales to- sales goals to be met and sales quotas. All of a sudden, you're like, we just got to get 10 more sales in so we make our bonuses at all costs. That is obviously a sensible approach. However, it makes it very easy to make sacrifices that are not customer-friendly and can ultimately end up harming the relationship with the customer. Look at the internal processes. Once a customer is committed to the product or committed to move forward, how are they being supported? Are they being are they being onboarded in the right way? Is the level of service going to decline now that the money is in hand? Is the goal now to say, oh, well, we have their business so we can become less efficient and we don't have to deliver as much because now they're stuck with us? There's, a, there's an argument to be said, hey, that's good business. You know, I've got your business. Now I've got to maximize profit. And understood, there's still a way to maximize profit by offering customers a great experience and bringing them on board and still continuing to treat them like a partner rather than a uh, someone that's a has-been. Look at the product development and the, the innovation. Absolutely, customers are going to want new things, new features, new offerings. However, not all of them are going to be ready today. And some of them are probably going to be late or behind schedule, and that could be due to poor project planning, poor product planning, poor execution, lack of resources. It doesn't matter why. Reframe that mindset. Rather than looking at these things as challenges or, or negative things that are holding the product and the product quality back, look at them as a way to say, this is part of what we're building on to get to the future, and we will get there and have a better offering. But today, we're going to continue to support you in in all ways that need to be. And then after the sale, most importantly, once the relationship is established and things are going well, you know, is the customer getting periodic support and inquiries from the business and always feeling appreciated for actually delivering the the value into the selling organization on a periodic basis. Those things are often forgotten and customers want their business to succeed. And that business succeeding often involves having, having more growth and more development than they have today. And a great customer wants you as the seller to be part of that of that journey. So rather than saying, well, we sold what we had to sell, we're done, there's nothing else to be done here, continue to engage, befriend, and build trust with that that customer. And then if you wrap all those things together, you'll have an exceptional customer experience. And that should absolutely result in more sales, more referrals. But more importantly, if you're working in an organization, you can answer yes when someone says, would you buy from your company? Thank you very much. This is Terrence Channon, the Modern Customer Experience Podcast.